Hello, and welcome to the debut episode, well, the first real episode, I guess, of the D50 Shades of D&D podcast. I am Todd, and I have with me my co-host, James. Hello. And Rick. Hey, everybody. And today we are going to talk about Osric, but first uh, we're going to do a quick review of why we're here and what this podcast is all about. Rick. Uh, we're calling it D50 Shades of D&D. Uh, the title comes from, it just seems like there's so many versions and editions of Dungeons & Dragons out there, whether it's actually called Dungeons & Dragons or not, with the, uh, the open gaming license, uh, everybody has been able to essentially publish their version of Dungeons & Dragons, you know, with their house rules. And the, they kept the parts they liked, and they dropped the parts they didn't like, and some are very loyal to a an edition of D&D &D or so that came out over the years, and some are very different. Uh, with that in mind, I thought you could probably put together a list, which I did, of, uh, I chose 50 uh, out of the blue, and it turned out that it was pretty easily to populate that list. And I thought, you know, we could talk about that. We could use that list to talk about those games for, for quite some time. And then probably once we talk about all those, I imagine a number of, they're coming out every day, so we could do some more. So that's kind of the genesis behind uh, what we're doing here today. Yeah, so, so for the first episode, Instead of just rolling randomly, which we had discussed, we, we decided to go with Osric, and you know for various reasons. Go I, ahead, I, go ahead and tell us what Osric stands for. There, Todd. Osric is. I thought that was Rick's handle. This is O S R Rick, right? <laughs> you stole that thunder. <laughs> yeah, I put the Rick in Osric. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old school reference index, and what was the C for? You've got the book right in front of you. It's <laughs> literally right there. Caught me off guard. <laughs> Old school reference and index compilation. Thank you, Todd. I didn't have the right glasses on <laughs> to see that. Okay, Boomer. Oh! <laughs> that was unfair. Oh, <laughs> it was unfair. And also maybe ableist. I apologize. <laughs> so it was uh, written when released in 2006. And it was written by Stuart Marshall and Matt Finch. Are we saying this is the first of the retro clones too, right? I think as far as retro clones, I, I don't know if we could find anything older. I'm sure anyone listening will gladly point out anytime we're wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Please I do. know myself personally, it was the first one that I found because it was free and downloadable. And I was pretty fascinated by it. But I, I, I quickly discovered and moved on to Castles and Crusades because it had books available at the time. And it looks like Osric wasn't available on a hard copy till 2009, and, which is what I have right here in front of me. I think this is the Black Blade one. It, it really evolved over the years, too, where essentially it was just an index. And then eventually, I think they kept adding on to it to where it's now, it's playable. As oh, a yeah. game, I don't think that was its intent, but uh, it you know it it 
It helps if you've got some knowledge, I would say, of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, but, uh, um, I mean, it's certainly... Uh, I, I, I will eventually bought a hard copy of it myself. I mean, years and years later. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, I can't imagine that there's anything that you can't do with it that you you could have done with AD&D. Yeah, I, I, I will say I, I don't... I'll venture to say I don't even know if you need experience with Dungeons & Dragons because at least the newer editions now even has like an in, an explore, uh, ex, explanatory notes and definitions uh, at the at the front okay. and kind of explains what a role-playing game is just like every other role-playing g- game does these days. So do you think it would be <clears throat> easier for Joe, I've never played D&D, to pick up Osric and play it as it was to like pick up, you know, Uncle Steve's AD&D books and play? Um, Assuming that Uncle Steve is not available right. to like, hey, this is what you do. This is the Uncle Steve that still wears the gold chain and brings beer to the to your campouts, right? Uh, do I okay. even need All to right. explain? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Okay, it's Uncle Steve. <laughs> it's Uncle Steve. <laughs> his Dungeons and Dragons books and his weed stash. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we're providing a character for Uncle Steve that I just created a couple seconds ago. Yeah, That's I'm awesome. rolling Uncle Steve up <laughs> in our next uh, our next game. But uh, I probably not as easy as Uncle Steve as hates it when you say "Okay, Boomer." I'm <laughs> he, yeah, say I'm I'm sure he does. <laughs> Uncle Steve needs to stop wearing polyester. But anyway, um, so so we rolled up some characters and we played through some of the Keep on the Borderland. Yeah, and then we sat around and talked about you know how it felt, how it was different to make the characters, and we'll talk a little bit about you know, how we felt about the game, uh, how it might be different than AD&D, and, you know, why would we play this? So uh, the first thing, it it is definitely a clone of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition. You know, there there are some slight variations, which Rick is going to gladly talk about. Yeah, and and didn't we we want to... uh didn't we want to just for listeners that might not be familiar with the OSR? Didn't we want to like? Oh yeah. Uh, one, James, I think you would be an yeah. excellent candidate <laughs> to expand upon. What is the OSR, James? Oh, I am not going to define what the OSR is because uh, isn't there a whole another podcast for that? I think so. Maybe there probably would be an entire podcast dedicated to what is the OSR. Tell our six listeners uh, what a retro clone is at least. Sure. Well, a retro clone is uh, designed to be an exact one-for-one replica of an older, no longer published uh, edition of the game, Uh, the game being Dungeons & Dragons, though you could have a retro clone of any game, really. Um, and because you can't copyright a rules mechanic, you, you can't can, copyright you can say rules. like you can't call it a beholder, but you can't prevent somebody from releasing those stats. That's right, and changing the name to like. Well, but you also can't copyright anything that's in public domain, like unicorns or vampires, True. or so you or know, vampiric unicorns, or vampiric unicorns, or, or Thor. Or Thor, <laughs> or you know, so but a retro clone is designed to emulate a game as close as possible um, to the original material. And Osric, um, so the OSR, 
I'm not going to go into much, but like it stands for the old school renaissance or old school revival or people like debate for entirely too long what it stands for. But I can, what I can do is talk about my personal experience with discovering the old school renaissance or the OSR movement and uh, where Osric fits in that because I think it holds a special place. <clears throat> so, uh, Around uh, 2000, early 2000s, anyway, let's just go with that because I can't remember times. Um, I was getting really, really kind of tired of uh, the 3.5 era um, D&D and wanted something new. And I found Grognardia um, blog. And it was talking about playing older editions of Dungeons and Dragons. And the first um, book I came across that he mentioned was Osric. And I think, Todd, when you said, you know, it was the first PDF that you found, um, I think that's because it was brazenly out there. Uh, you know, the subtext is that Wizards of the Coast was suing people for releasing old PDFs out onto the internet during this time, and there was a lot of worry about lawsuits and whatnot. And Osric put itself out there uh, with a website, with a download link. It said, here, everybody, you want to play older editions? Here's how you play AD&D First Edition. And here are links to Wizards of the Coast document that make this legal. Yes, yeah, so it used it used the open gaming license uh in a way that hadn't at least been so publicly done of working backwards using the public game license from 3 to an older edition and saying, "Here, this is an open game open licensed game that replicates an older edition." So Matt Matt Finch uh, I think was interviewed on Grognardia, and uh, I read that article, downloaded Osric, and said, wow, this is really cool, but it's really long. And then I found Sword and Wizardry um, shortly after that, and that was really the first OSR game that I played heavily. But Osric was special because I don't think I would have been introduced to the fact that anyone can make stuff, first of all, which I think really for me, like, started my love of DIY D&D and homebrewing D- Dungeons and Dragons. So it's and special it, to me. It really opened the floodgates for people to produce adventures or additional content for older editions of the game, being able to release it as an Osric product and not having to say it's for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was there were I and I I remember specifically people using, you know, the same adventures for for Labyrinth Lord, uh, BX Retro Clone, and Sword and Wizardry and OD&D Clone and Osric all you know you know using multiple systems for the same adventure, and that kind of blew my mind coming from the OU. You have to buy this published adventure from Wizards of the Coast, and it has to you know you have to make sure you. Use official stats and you know all every, that. Sort every of time you say "Wizards of the Coast," a little icon with your face up on it pops up in their security system. Oh, I'm sure you realize that they have a file. I'm sure. So, at first glance, the rules 
you, you are so much like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons that you really have to go through them to find the little fiddly bits that they've changed. Uh, I, I know there are tweaks in the experience points, uh, level limits for demi-humans. One of the ones I do like is how when your extra attack as a higher yeah. level fighter come yeah. in to 3-2, it's not real clear in AD&D where they come in, but I've always put them in at the end of the two. So it's one, then two, and then one, then two. Osric clearly says it's two, then one, two, then one. And historically, hmm. looking at how some of the other characters increase in power quicker than the fighters, it's actually, it, it makes the fighters a little more effective at, at those levels where wizards start to get things like fireball. Yeah. Yeah. That's particularly powerful. I'm going to let Rick talk about uh, some of his least favorite changes. Ah. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm being quiet, but uh, let me explain why. Um, anybody that listens to, well, the same podcast that we listen to probably is familiar with our friend Corey Gosman, DM Kojo. Um, he's a frequent uh, correspondent with uh, uh, Spellburn and uh, other podcasts such uh, as that nature. Such as all the other ones. Such as all the other ones. We only listen listen to podcasts that Corey listens to. Exactly. He's my rule of thumb now. Exactly. So like we role. thought it'd be funny uh, and cool if um, we didn't feel we'd be a real podcast unless DM Kojo was involved somehow. So we thought we'd be the first podcast to rather wait uh, and hope for an email from DM Kojo that we'd actually reach out to him. Right, because that's how you know you made it. Yeah. Recording our first podcast. So I've been typing this up as we've been recording, and I'm going to send it to him. Uh, I, I won't read the whole thing, but it just basically uh, it says pretty much what I just said. And we're hoping that somehow that he'll become a listener and be involved and reach out to us and let us know how we're doing. Well, he so. always asks everyone else questions. Why don't we ask DM Kojo questions in the email? Uh, I'm, like, I'm, dear I'm, DM I'm, Kojo. I'm here to type up whatever Let's you ask like. him to define the OSR. Perfectly. <laughs> 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 there you go. All right. Well, so that's what I'll be doing if I get quiet. But uh, to, uh, to Todd's point, um, uh, Osric, I think, is a wonderful idea. It's not, I'm not the target audience. Let's just put it that way. I had all my AD&D books still. Um, so Osric was a wonderful idea that just wasn't really meant for me. Uh, I, I went ahead and bought a hard copy of it anyway because, uh, you know, kind of a support type deal. But uh, I don't get a whole lot of use of it. Um, the one thing that I've noticed that kind of like, oh, it would have been so much nicer if was the fact that uh, they left off uh, the monk. They left off the bard, and I list those in order of my disappointment. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say so monk more so than the bard, and the organization of the monsters. They chose rather than just do alphabetical, like it seems like everybody else does. Uh, didn't they organize them by like? Uh, I think like types. Humanoids like all the were humanoid, all together. Yeah, all of the types. So I, I just want to be able to like, uh, you know. Now, I understand that like, dragons all being under D for dragon, whether it be, you know, red dragon or white dragon. That that makes sense, but don't make me. I, I want to find orc under O, not under H for humanoid. So, uh, uh, 
Uh, how are the spells organized? Are they all alphabetical, or is it by level, or...? I think it's by level. Okay. But, uh, I'm, uh, I'm more okay with that than mon- the mon- the monster group thing was weird to me. For yeah, sure. let's let's ask. Uh, Todd's got the hard copy over there. So, um, James, let's talk about something while Todd's flipping through pages. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, have you tried Fate, James? I I have tried Fate, and <laughs> not really for me. But that's okay. okay. Well, Todd's got now. Yeah. Todd's yeah. <laughs> So the, the spells are in alphabetic order, which is more along the lines of third edition and later instead of by level, which having sat at many AD&D tables in which we are wondering what spell level something was and then properly finding it in the book, uh, I have no problems with that. I also have no problems with the fact that they left out psionics, but that is a topic... That could fill up a whole podcast itself. That's true. So no monks, no bards, no psionics. I'm sure that comes to a lot of people's delight. I was going to say, that might be flavored to taste. What? Psionics were in... AD and D. Oh heck yeah! yeah first, first uh, there wasn't a. Oh, that's right. It wasn't a supplement. Tie, dice. You got to roll really, that's really right. high. That's right. You know? Well, what wasn't in the DMG though, which is another one of my interesting observations. One, uh, one of the things that I loved about the first edition DMG was the one, the typeface, which is absolutely beautiful. And I'm sad that they didn't use the same typeface. I think there might be some licensing issues there, but I think they went with Times New Roman, which is a little sad to me. <laughs> um, but it's it, there are worse choices, for sure. Um, but the other thing was the organization, um, because Osric is obviously, like, first started off trying to be an index, it's very well organized, which a lot of people would think is a really good benefit. For me, though, uh, the DMG, uh, the first edition DMG was so disorganized that it, to me, was a benefit in that I I would only pick up the DMG when I was trying to find inspiration for something. So I would, like, look up the rules for light and, you know, what the distance on a torch versus a bullseye was, and, oh, look, off to the right on the same page as the rules for how to contract malaria. Like what? But oh, now I'm thinking of swamp game. So it was, it was like, yeah, and, and then one day you, you stumble through and you're like, Oh, there are handgun rules in here. Yeah. And then the on heck? another day, here is the legendary, the now legendary appendix N. Yes. Yeah. No yeah, doubt. Because you had to deep dive for the golden nuggets in there. And sometimes you had to deep dive for something that you shouldn't have had to deep dive for, but there was so much in that book. It was amazing. Absolutely. So that was one of the things I missed was was the randomness that Gary put into uh, the DMG and really everything he did. But we have to admire, they did a bang-up job of putting everything you need to play a role-playing game for years in one book. That is true. It's it, it's very well put together. The concept alone was brilliant. And it, it, it's really well done. It, it's just, as Rick had said, 
it, 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 it's not for me. I, I regularly still run AD&D. And I, I have all the books that I need. And Rick is the same. And I'm sure James is as well. But what this would be great for is, well, especially if you go back to 2006 when it came out, when you couldn't necessarily get your hands on legal PDFs or reprint copies of games, like it's getting easier and easier to do. Right. If you wanted to play old school D&D in 2006 and you were a broke-ass college student... And didn't have an Uncle Steve. Yeah. And you didn't have an Uncle Steve. Right. uh, That you were stealing his stash of dice from under his bed. Yeah, right. Dice. Let's go with that. Here was a free download, and you and your friends could have years of fun. And, you know, enough said right there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and to that point, if you're a broke college student or just broke for whatever, we all have different life circumstances. And you wanted to run a classic adventure like um, the Slave Pit, the uh, um, the A series, or the giant the Giants um, series. This is a great way to download the PDF for free, and you can run AD and D first edition like really faithfully. And it drove people to make new adventures for old games. Oh, that's a good point. There's right. a there's a ton of Osric specific adventures online for free. Also, on Dragonsfoot. Dragonsfoot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, not to not to derail the conversation, but just for gits and shiggles, um, do you think if if fourth edition had been more resemblant of fifth edition, do you think there would have been an Osric in the first place? I. Or no Fourth for edition that was not out yet. Right when Osric came out, is that right? Yeah, I think if there wouldn't have been a three point five, maybe I, I know there was a D twenty crash. Yeah, and yeah. maybe in part driven by <laughs> uh, three point five coming out. I know this is shortly after the first Castles and Crusades rules came out, which is more of its own game than Osric is. Mm. Uh, so it's it's not a re- retro clone so much as Osric is, but it, its own game. But I think the 3.5 and the D20 crash is what led people to say, let's kind of make our own game. Yeah, yeah. And so much of what we love and we now play was kind of dug up or brought up or it rose from the ashes of the D20 crash and the crowd that was disenchanted with 3.5. And then on top of that, the crowd that was disenchanted with 4th edition D&D. All of those things helped us get all of these games we'll be talking about. And as you said, if if 5th edition D&D as it is would have been released in 2004, maybe none of this would have happened. Or if Wizards had just sold people PDFs of their older editions instead of going after pirate sites. Between 4th and 5th edition, 
they released <laughs> reprint editions of first, second, mm-hmm. and 3.5, as well as OD&D in a special box set. Yep, yep. But the genie was already out of the way. Well, the, yeah. the, the OSR was well under its way, and I, and I, I want to say they, they probably wouldn't have re-released those older editions if the OSR hadn't popularized right and, and made a resurgence of older editions uh, you know they they basically showed that there was a market for that um, absolutely another thing I want to mention about Osric was the thing that I, the reason I initially downloaded it was other than also the the good review that was on Grognardio the artwork actually like it is an index but there's some great art the front cover is beautiful uh and i feel bad because i can't remember who the artist um i'm doing the research right now yeah it's the uh it's Um, got a beautiful red dragon on the front cover and it's an actual painting um but one of my personal like um first artists i encountered in the osr was peter mullen and uh, I mean, that's uh, a good start. It has a great start. I love Peter's art, and uh, there's some great Peter Mullen art in this. I'm looking at um, a really uh, well rendered uh, werebore on page 239. That's fantastic by Peter Mullen. The cover uh, art is Mark Ahmed. Mark Ahmed. I love. I love that piece. Um, we need to friend this man on Facebook. Yeah, no doubt. This is. Uh, it's a beautiful, be- some beautiful artwork, some great old school art uh, throughout, and uh, that was another. Um, there's also a really great um, Paladin and Hell um, tribute on page 228 of the edition I have, anyway. Um, but yeah, so so not only was it a great index, but it it did a good job at reproducing artwork in the same style and giving me nostalgia. So yeah, it's like the um, Wizards uh, finally re-released the uh, original edition um, booklets in PDF, but they replaced the artwork, and it just jars. It just you know, it just. True, the, the the original artwork in some cases was, um, I mean, not to get off on a severe tangent, but they there was some tracing going on. They copied some stuff from various Marvel comics, sure, that sure. kind of thing. But uh, just to see that new style artwork with that text and those rules, it, it for me, I, I personally found it jarring. So I'm glad that the guys behind Osric understood that there's a certain style that you should like try to emulate and um, sure. and they did so very well. Uh, random criticism while we're on the topic of art um, and art, and I'm not a big art critic, but what I will say is that compared to older editions, the succubus in this edition is a lot less scandalous. So um, it's more of a uh, tasteful side pose than the original... <laughs> Um, just put that out there because the succubus is known for their exquisite family-oriented taste. Yeah, right, right. Or is it the taste of families? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I, I just want to reminisce. I'm purposely avoiding this topic. <laughs> I want to reminisce just a little bit about our adventure. Uh, it's actually there wasn't much to say. Yeah, for various <laughs> reasons. It's actually been months since we got together and played a session. Talking about a paladin in hell. 
And uh, so we each rolled up a couple characters, except uh, one of us is a slacker and only rolled up one. I don't want to point out any names. I only needed one, to be fair. <laughs> but Dwarf fighter, that's it. That's all, that's all I needed. I also want to point out that only one character died in this adventure. Oh, which one was that again, James? The paladin. <clears throat> Is that what it was? Uh, oh, I thought it was the dwarf fighter. Yeah, I did that not was, die. No, my paladin no. Was, oh. went down I was a dwarf fighter with an 18 your, strength. Your I didn't die. Stupid ogre. Well, you know, it's been months. And, also, you know, I'm old. Paladins rush into combat, and the dwarf was like. That's what you get for being brave, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah obviously. Poor Hup. We knew him well. So I had I had a human paladin and I had a gnome illusionist thief. Uh, the gnome survived. The human paladin did not. One shot. That is that is a shame though. That, that being that, said, that the gnome not, survived. Not to give too much away, I'm currently running the keep on the borderlands for a group of preteens every other Sunday afternoon. So you're awesome. going to rub it in our faces that they survived and we did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they have a couple of uh, hirelings, yeah, uh, George and Lenny, that keep getting knocked unconscious, but do they, they don't they, die. Do they understand the literary reference? or? Yeah. Uh, yes, actually. Good. Good. I, I chose those names for the NPCs hope. because of some... Uh, bunny rabbit comments that one of the kids had made, but not to give it away. But spoilers. I, I just want to summarize the paladin's demise with the term Briark. Nice. And anyone who's played the game probably knows what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, we do we have the spoiler win. warning border? I mean, there is a statute of limit <laughs> limitations on this. Not if we count the statute, uh, statute of Limitations from the Goodman Games release that I am using to run the adventure. Uh, all right. All right. Just saying. That's fair. The I best guess. line in the entire game that I've been running with these kids is a young lady uh, who I won't identify, but her father has a successful... OSR Kickstarter. Uh, the quote is, can't we just kill him and take his boat? <laughs> nice. Luckily, they just decided to get him drunk instead. But saying that, I, I think we're probably at a good point to wrap up this yeah. first official episode. And so I guess it's time for some wise words from the Good Advice Dwarf. James? Never split the party. Always check for traps. Oh, and uh, never fire into melee. See ya.